One time when I was, <clears throat> when I was growing up in my hometown, there was, um, there was a local bank that our family uh, banked at, had their business, and it was an odd sort of structure. There was this weird angle, and uh, the building was kind of like this, and there was this concrete slab, and I think what they were trying to do is there were windows down in the basement area of this bank. And when I would go to the bank at about eight years old, my dad would go and he would be doing his business at the bank, and, and I would jump out of the car, and I would go and I would play on this concrete embankment type thing uh, next to the bank. It was really sloped, and no one could see you down there. So as an eight-year-old boy, I mean, to be confined to the vehicle, that would be absolutely ridiculous. I mean, why would you be there? Uh, instead, let's just go and go down like the drain sewer area here or something by the bank. And uh, so there's this, there's this concrete uh, kind of like slot. It was, a, it was a giant slide, and in there, down below were these windows and things, and so I would climb in and out of this, going up and down, sliding down it, and things like that, and one day we went to the bank, and it was a different day um, because it, it was a thick, heavy frost that day, and with the thick, heavy frost, I didn't realize when I jumped into the, into the hole that day, um, it was a bad situation. In fact, I'll show you how bad it was. I mean, I was like this because with the thick frost that day, I tried to climb out, and every time I would make up about three or four steps, I would slide back down to the bottom, and then I would climb up and slide back down to the bottom, and basically, I came to realize that I had worked and worked and worked. I couldn't get out. I was stuck. I was stuck in the embankment area. My dad was in the bank doing business, and I didn't know how I was going to get out. So every time I would hear the door open, it was right near, nearby this embankment, every time I'd hear the door open, I would call out, Dad! Dad, is that you? And uh, people would be walking by and they're like, what was going on? And I'm stuck down the, down the embankment. And all of a sudden, I hear the door open one more time and I go, Dad, Dad, I'm down here. And my dad comes around the corner and he looks down into this area and he's just shaking his head and he kind of is like, Oh, I can't go down there. I'll be stuck too, you know? And uh, so he, he wasn't really sure what to do. And um, I, could notice, I knew that it was a, a, a desperate situation because my dad was laughing, but it was kind of like this nervous laugh, you know? And, <laughs> you know? And, and so um, all of a sudden, my dad disappears. And I'm going, man, what is he, you gonna leave me down here or something like that? And all of a sudden, over the edge comes this pair of jumper cables. Down the ledge, and Dad's head pokes out, and I grab a hold of the jumper cables, and I was able to shimmy up with him pulling me up with the jumper cables. I thought, man, jumper cables are handy uh, in a lot of different situations. But, um, you know, many times in life, we end up on slippery slopes. Have you ever been on a slippery slope before? Maybe some of you truck drivers know what I'm talking about, a slippery slope where you get going up a hill here in North Dakota and it's so slippery that your truck starts to decide to drive backwards when you're trying to drive forward. That's a scary situation, right, truck drivers? You know, nobody wants to be in that kind of situation. Slippery slopes. Have you ever been on a slippery slope? It seems like to me, and this may be my perception, but it seems as though society is on a slippery slope right now. The culture that we live in and the world that we see is on a slippery slope. It seems as though the things that were once unthinkable not too many years ago are becoming commonplace. 
And the slippery slope that we are on is, is a slope that is sliding us away from God. And the slippery slopes are dangerous because you start that downward slide and you can never get back to the place that you once were. We're beginning a new series for the month of November, and I tried to come up with all kinds of creative names for this, but there was just one thing that just stuck, and it was sin, the sin series. This morning I want to talk to you about the downward spiral or the slippery slope of sin in our lives. Now, it might be a little bit of an uncomfortable message because the Bible is going to reveal things about us that we really don't want to know about the slippery slope of sin in our lives and how we need to be very careful. And this morning's message, I believe, is is much like a warning to all of us as Christians to not get on the slippery slope. Be aware of the things that are going on in your life so that you don't end up sliding to a place where you can't recover. So this morning as we look at God's word today, I'd ask that you would just bow your heads with me and we pray one more time asking that God would reveal his word to our hearts today and we would be receptive and ready to hear. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, um, in need. We understand clearly that not only our society but America in general has been on a slide for quite some time. God, we desperately as individuals and as a congregation and as a community, Lord, we want to be in right standing with you. We want to be close to you, God. Help us this morning to understand principles from your word so that we would not drift away, so that we would not get on the slippery slope of sin and slide away from you. So God, use your word this morning. Use my lips, God, to convey the message that you have for our hearts today. May we be receptive in our ears spiritually and in our hearts and ready to receive uh, with joy and gladness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17. It reads this way, reading from the New Living Translation, it says, verse 17, with the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives. Because they have closed their minds and have hardened their hearts against him, They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Paul opens this section by saying, with the Lord's authority. Paul is opening us up, speaking and saying, this is God's authority. And and when he's stating this statement, I think what he's trying to convey is, this is of such great importance to the church and and to you guys as Christians. He says, I want to make sure that they understand that this is not just something that I'm haphazardly writing, but this is is from God. You need to really pay attention. So he says, listen, with the Lord's authority, he says this, I strongly sense God is speaking Live not as the Gentiles do. 
Paul's writing this letter to the church. It's a Gentile church. But he is saying to them, listen, don't live in the way that you used to live before you came to Christ. Don't live in the old lifestyle that once held you captive to sin. Then he goes on to actually begin to express, saying, you know, live a life, don't live a life that's void of purpose or reason for living. He basically says, and that's what this next phrase is talking about, it says, they are hopelessly confused. It means to be uh, void of purpose or reason for living. There's a spiritual confusion that begins to set in in the minds of people Another translation says futility. The Greek word futility means void of useful aim or goal. There's no target for your life. When we live apart from God's purposes, our lives feel lost. We become hopelessly confused. And Paul is telling these Christians, listen, don't go back to the way that you used to live because you lacked purpose. You lacked a reason for living. And then Paul goes on to explain what it's like to slide down the slippery slope of sin away from God. He says their minds are full of darkness. They cannot think straight about spiritual things. They're dark and shaded and blinded to the things of God. We all know that when you're walking down a path, maybe late at night and it's dark, it's very easy to get off of the path when you can't see correctly. This is kind of like a spiritual metaphor that their minds are full of darkness and then it goes on to say that they wander far from the life God gives. It means that they alienate themselves from the life that God gives. With the darkness of mind, they move further and further away from the plan and the purpose that God has for them excluding themselves from the things of God, this word means. But why do they do that? In verse 18 it says, because they have closed their minds. They've closed their minds. And they made a purposeful choice to close their mind towards God. The confusion and the darkness that permeates this person's mind causes them to close their mind to the things of God. They choose to shut their minds off to all that he has to offer. And this is a very dangerous place to be because it leads to an even scarier place. The first start of the slope is that you close your mind to the things of God, but something leads closely after when you close your mind. Remember we talked about last week that the greatest distance in the world is from here to here. You see, where your mind is going, it's not long after that your heart follows. And we see that, that the scripture tells us that not only is their minds closed, but they have hardened their hearts. Their hearts that, that were once soft towards God. But it says that these people have allowed their hearts to become hard The Greek word here for hardening means a thickening of the skin like a callus, where you lose feeling. All of us know that God created our bodies to callus, which is a wonderful thing when it comes to hands and feet. If if our hands become calloused when we're working with something, then it keeps us from being scraped or cut. It's actually a good thing, but God never created our hearts to become calloused, to become hard. God wants our hearts to be soft and pliable, moldable, ready at any moment, says when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that we would have softness to receive from him. But it says that 
that they have calloused a thickening of the heart. And the New King James Version explains it a little differently. It says, they are past feeling. We wonder sometimes, we watch the atrocities on the news of things that go on within our country, and we, we, we shake our head and go, how is that even possible? It's almost unfathomable that someone would do things like that, that someone would walk into a, a, a crowded uh, um, movie theater and begin to mow people down in some way, that people would, would abuse children in the way that we hear commonplace on the news on a consistent basis, and we think to ourselves, how could that possibly be? How does a person get to that place in their life? The Bible says that they have gone beyond feeling, that it's not even really, that, that it's not even a feeling anymore. It's, it's beyond, it's past feeling. They close their mind and they shift past their feelings. And when a person closes their mind and hardens their heart, it leads to action. The slippery slope continues. You see, guys, there are byproducts of sin in our lives, whether we realize it or not. It closes our mind to the ways of God. It hardens our hearts to the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. But Paul says it gets worse. You see, after our minds have been closed and our heart has been hardened, then something else happens. The Scripture says, Paul says it, it, it goes to this, that they have no sense of shame This is connected to the hardening of the heart. It means that they lose sensitivity. They just don't care. They're shameless in their pursuit of sin. It goes on to say, Paul says, that they live for lustful pleasure. Other translations say that they have given themselves over to sensuality. They no longer control themselves, but they give themselves over to other things to control them. They've given themselves over to be a slave to sin. I'm going to be talking about that next week. Then the last phrase is an interesting Greek phrase. It says, and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. It's actually, there's a, there's a Greek word found in this phrase. It's the Greek word greedy. In the New American Standard Version, it says, they practice every kind of impurity with greediness. Ever known someone that was greedy? They were willing to do whatever it takes for themselves. Just this week we had a, uh, there, was, there was an event that brought awareness to uh, sex trafficking here in Watford City and, um, and the horrific problem that this is in our society as well as in our region. And there were a lot of things shared, but I want, I want us to think about in the, in the aspect of, of sex trafficking, when we think about those kind of atrocities where someone would be forced against their will uh, to do things that, that, that none of us would ever, it's hard for us to even think about these kind of things and how painful it would be to someone and, and that one person would do that to another person. But this Greek phrase here explains it pretty well. See, this isn't new to the world, guys, these things. Back in in Paul's times, there were these kinds of atrocities that continued to flow across unchecked. This Greek phrase here, I want you to listen to these words as I translate them one by one. The word eagerly means greediness or exploitation. 
practice. That Greek word means profit or trade. Every kind of impurity means every kind of immorality and filth. All of these words describe that horrific thing, the sex trafficking trade, the exploitation based on greed and profit, a sex trade involving every kind of filth, immoral thing you can't even imagine. And we stand shocked and wonder how our society could get to such a place. How could this possibly happen? I will let you know it is called the slippery slope of sin. It's the slippery slope of sin. And this is the most dangerous part about the slippery slope of sin. There is not one person in this room that can avoid the slippery slope of sin once you have been caught. Once you begin the downward slide, the only way, the only possible hope that we all have in the slippery slope of sin is a man named Jesus Christ. That is the only hope. That is the only hope of this world. That is the only hope of our community. That is the only hope of our families. That is the only hope of our personal life. If it weren't for Jesus Christ, we'd all be there. It's, as we look at the scriptures today and we take and we apply them to our lives, how do we take a principle like this and apply it? I think it's important that we understand that we understand how a person could be, Paul was writing this to Christians How does a Christian go from a place where they they are relatively good or an upstanding person or just a good person in general, how does a good person in general end up down the, the, the terrible slope of sin and how do they end up in a place like that? I believe that Paul, under divine authority, uh, speaking through the voice of the Holy Spirit, shows us what that downward spiral looks like so that we as Christians can identify these principles and if we can see ourselves trapped in the slope of sin today, that we would say, Jesus, Jesus, help me. I need desperately to be rescued. You see, guys, God didn't send a good teacher because we needed teaching. God didn't send a good judge because we needed judging. God sent a Savior because we needed saving. That was what had to happen. So as we look at this, what does this look like? I think the first step on the slope of sin, if we're to look at this, the scripture tells us is that something happens in our mind. That's the first step. Something happens in our mind. 
The scripture talks about confusion that happens in our mind, darkness that floods our mind, a wandering away from the things of God happens in our mind, a closedness of our mind to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You see, guys, the enemy wants nothing less than to cause your mind to be confused, to fill your mind with darkness, to cause you to wander from the plan and the purpose that God has set up for your life. The enemy wants, uh, the enemy of your soul wants uh, you to close your mind against God. The mind is the first step on the slippery slope. Before our heart is hardened, before we reap any actions, the battle, confusion, darkness, hopelessness, lostness in our mind. The battlefield is in our mind. And where it starts, it all starts in our, in our mind. Actually, it's interesting that the Greek word repent, which is found throughout uh, the Bible, the Greek word for repent in its simplest form, the definition is to change your mind. To change your mind. To repent means to change your mind. You see, guys, we... We think often that we are powerless to the things that come into our mind, but that is not true. You see, we capture these rogue thoughts and we take them captive, and we don't allow confusion to reign in our mind, but instead we allow God to reign in our mind. We push the darkness that tries to flood into our mind, we push it out and fill it with the light of Jesus Christ. We search out God's purposes for our lives rather than wandering fruitlessly in our own decisions far from God. Through prayer, we open our mind to God and ask him to flood our minds But when a person allows confusion and darkness and alienation and our minds to be closed, it begins to flow somewhere. And the closeness of our mind begins to seal up our heart. The Bible says that our heart becomes hardened or calloused. We lose the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Our conscience, that one time when when we first did an action in our life, when we first did it, it, we felt that feeling of the Holy Spirit saying, you shouldn't be doing that, and it was a feeling of guilt, but it was a good guilt. It was a good guilt because it drew us towards God. It was something that caused us to go and repent and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be this way anymore. Jesus, help me. But then after a while when we continue to do that, all of a sudden our heart becomes calloused and it gets a lot easier to continually go through the motions of that same sin. And our heart gets calloused with little feeling. And the hardness of our hearts shuts down our feelings. We become numb. We don't care what others think anymore. We don't care what God thinks anymore. And then the slippery slope of sin gets scarier. It moves from our mind to our heart, ultimately to our actions. It moves to our actions where, because our mind and our heart is so calloused and hard that our actions that would be shameful to one person no longer cause us shame. So we would say, I have no shame in this. We live for lustful pleasures, eagerly practicing every kind of impurity and anything that we want. You shamelessly sin and it doesn't bother you anymore. You focus on self-pleasing. It doesn't matter who you hurt. 
doesn't matter what it'll cost you. You go from being hesitant to doing things to being in a place of eagerness to do them. Impurity has poisoned your mind, it has filtered through your heart, and now we reap it in our actions. When we have our worship team come. So what do we do with this? Yeah, Pastor Sheldon, it's great that we know this slippery slope of sin. I think in all trueness, if all of us were to sit and say, you know what, where am I at personally? Can I look at this slippery slope and see that there are areas of compromise in my own life? That at first you go, you know, I'm going to justify my actions of thinking this way or kind of going through the motions or having secret sin and those kind of things and thinking that it's really not going to affect me because it's never gotten to this action stage. I'm not really living these things out. It's not a continuous thing. It's once in a while. It's not a big deal. But the reality of it is, is what each of us must come to realize is that the most dangerous place on the slippery slope is anywhere It's anywhere. You see, we think for a moment that it's okay to play with things in our mind. It's okay to to allow darkness to creep in there. It's okay to do this. But Paul was saying to the church, he says, listen, be very careful, guys. The things that start in your mind begin to leak into your heart. And when your heart becomes hard, there are things that happen on your outward actions that are not good. So, if we were to sit here this morning and, and begin to talk about this, maybe you're here in this room this morning and you have come to realize, as we were talking about and looking at the slippery slope, you in all honesty could say in your heart of hearts, you would look at your life and you'd begin to evaluate it and you'd say, you know what? There are some areas in my life that I think I may be on the slippery slope. I need to be aware of that You see, guys, as we were praying last night uh, with our prayer team and and we were praying for the service today, we were asking God to bring revelation to our minds that each of us could adequately or accurately look at our own lives and see and admit where we're at on the slope. David said to God, David, a righteous man uh, that wrote a lot of the Psalms, obviously he had his breakdowns and there were problems in his life, but David, the man after God's own heart, said, God, look at my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. You see, self-evaluation before God is a powerful thing. Because when we can say, Lord, I repent of these things, I change my mind in these areas, the things that I once allowed in my heart and in my life, I no longer allow those things. God, would you come in and bring healing and restoration and touch my life? You know what, maybe you're here this morning and there are things in your mind that you have allowed to stay in there, you have formulated these things in your mind and you're saying, you know what, I need to be rid of those things. There are past things that are plaguing you in your mind, there's dark things that continue you to, to, to form in your mind and you have allowed them to, to get property in your mind and you say, you know what, today is a great day to evict that garbage. It's a day to say, Jesus, come in and cleanse my mind and begin to push those things away. Maybe you would say in your heart, right now it's very calloused, it's very hard towards the things of God, that you aren't receptive to what God, I can't really sense or hear the voice of God anymore in my life and you have allowed your heart to become calloused.
last night as we were praying, um, sometimes I, I say this a lot, but I'm going to be weird for a minute here. And uh, I got a picture of an orange, and, and, and it was like God was, was, someone was peeling this orange. It was like a picture. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying in that picture that there are people here today that you have calloused hearts that God wants to just begin to peel those calluses back and the soft and the pliableness of your heart is going to return. Are you willing? Would you allow God to do that in your heart and in your life today? Maybe some of you are in this room today and you suffer from the actions of the things that have gone through your mind, through your heart, and on a daily basis you face and reap the consequences of all of the choices that you have made for many, many years. I have good news for you. And this is the good news. Whether you're here or here, Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus can transform your life whether you're at this stage of the game or whether you are down here whether you would look at your life and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a good person, or you would look at your life and say, my life is an absolute wreck right now. Guys, could we do this this morning? What I'd like us to do is just close our eyes and just, just in, our, in our place right now, right where we're sitting, would you begin to, to open your heart to God? Would you begin to open your mind to God and say, God, all of these areas that, that we allow sin to reign or take up residence, in my, in my mind, in my heart, in my actions. Today, I would ask you guys, are you willing to repent? Would you be willing to change your mind? Would you be willing to change your heart, mind, and direction? Would you be willing to say, Lord Jesus, would you come into my life and forgive me of my sin and begin to cleanse my mind and begin to soften my heart and begin to sever me from the actions that I'm living with right now? We're just going to take these areas one step at a time this morning. We're, going to, we're just going to pray together and ask God to just begin to bring healing in each of these areas. So this morning, if you are dealing with, with areas in your mind, uh, areas that you would look at in your mind and, and, uh, and say that there's, there's darkness, that there's uh, just a continual confusion that 
there's wandering, you're, you're purposeless, and your mind is becoming closed to the things of God. Let's begin to pray this morning. I'd like to just lead you in a prayer. You can just, you don't have to say it out loud. You can just be in your seat and, and be praying right where you're at. But a prayer might go something like this. Just pray it in your own heart. Um, Lord Jesus, God, forgive me for allowing confusion and darkness and closeness to be in my mind. God, I come against the, the enemy um, that would try and, and trick me, would try and bring confusion to my mind, would try and bring darkness to my mind. And I come against those things in the powerful name of Jesus, that no longer would I be confused, but I would understand the truth that I would have light replace the areas of darkness in my mind, that I would no longer be wandering, but I would be focused on the path and the purpose that you have for my life. God, that my mind would no longer be closed to the things of you, but God, you would begin to open my mind to your word and to your spirit. So God, we evict all of those things that would try and hold residence in our mind. We take authority through the power of Jesus Christ and we remove those things and we replace them and we ask that the Spirit of God would come and have residence in our mind. God, as your word says in Romans chapter 12, that God, um, we no longer conform to the patterns of this world, but we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. God, we speak renewing over our minds right now in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here this morning and you sense the callousness of your heart. You'd like God to begin to remove those calluses. Why don't we pray in that area right now? Lord Jesus, we just come and we ask, God, that you would begin to remove the callousness of our hearts, Lord Jesus. That, God, you would bring just a softness and a pliableness to our hearts, Lord. God, uh, create in us a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in us. God, cleanse our hearts, soften our hearts, that they would be moldable and pliable for you, Lord Jesus. The area of action. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that the actions, Lord Jesus, that we live out that seem to master us at times. Father, we pray in the powerful name of Jesus, our deliverer and savior, that God, you would come and break bondages today, Lord Jesus. Break shackles that would hold people to systems or patterns of sin. We break those things off. The things that have been sown in the past would not reap that that seed would die right now in the powerful name of Jesus. And that, God, you would cause life and newness and hope to rise up in its place. We speak freedom and liberty to the captives in the powerful name of Jesus. Guys, in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, it says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. 
you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and the hardening against God. I want to read on in Ephesians chapter 4, and I read this in closing today. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, reading on from the passage that we studied this morning. It says in Ephesians 4, it says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from God, or wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and they have hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. God, we strip off the old, and God, we put on the new today. We ask, God, that you would come and flood our lives, each individual in this room, Lord Jesus. We ask, God, that you would flow across this congregation today, that, God, you would cleanse our hearts and our minds and our actions, that, God, you would cause us, Lord Jesus, to be aware, that you would bring out new awareness towards the areas of sin in our life. God, that we would want to live for you in purity and holiness, Lord Jesus, that, God, you would give us the strength and the power, the renewing of our minds and our attitudes in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone who agrees, say amen. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Have a great day.